Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back for another episode this week. It's a new week. We've had a midweek round, two games, uh, two game weeks since we last uh, spoke to you on the podcast. I hope you had a great week. And I'm not only joined by one guest this week, I'm actually joined by two. But before we get into that, uh, firstly, my good friend and colleague, Steve Wiss, how are you doing? Jonathan, I'm, I'm pretty well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Um, it's been a been a quite, quite a interesting week, really, in in, in Scandinavia. You know, we're, we're getting towards the end of the season now, isn't it? This is the business end. Every point counts, every game matters, and it's really heating up in both leagues, which we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to start this week in Norway uh, with some big games, and then we're going to head to Sweden as well. We'll also talk about Malmo against Chelsea and some of the European games we've got this week. Uh, but before we do that... Well, there's a special guest for you on this show, not just only Meek Man Soccer, but I'm delighted to say we're joined by Sean Constable, the constable himself. He is <laughs> back on this show. Um, we've had him on this show many a times. I think you are now the record appearance holder on this podcast uh, <laughs> outside me and Steve. Sean, how are you doing, my friend? I'm very well, guys. Thanks, as always, for having me, uh, having me on, the, on the podcast. We're now, you're now getting quite a few uh, episodes now, aren't we? Quite deep into it. <laughs> Yeah, you are basically uh, the. We've basically charted our whole podcast through your career. Yeah. Um, for those listeners who maybe aren't aware or don't know you, uh, Sean is a good friend of the podcast. He um, he is currently out in Norway, in fact, uh, based yeah. out there, and has just bit, had a stint in charge of Moss FK, uh, which we'll talk about at some point in this show. Um, previously, Sean has been at Sandefjord as assistant coach. He's been at Ostersunds. He's mm-hmm. been at um, Bromma Poikener as well, head coach. If you go back through our archives, yeah. we've had interviews with him at every single point during that period. <laughs> yeah. um, and you've got a bit of free time at the moment, Sean. So you decided yeah. to come on and sort of uh, join us, basically. It's going to be a kind of a, a three-way this, this show and, and, yeah. and discuss all the action with us. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> good stuff, man. And how, how have you been since, um, I mean, just to give a bit of background before we get into the show, um, mm. your most recent role was Moss FK. You recently, mm. recently left that role hat. How was everything? You know, how briefly before we sort of delve into it later. You know, yeah, I'm, how are you doing? I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's nice to have a bit of free time and um, coming back to the UK next week, which you know, with coronavirus and everything else that's gone on, I haven't been able to see my family and my daughter. has been It's been 20 months. It's been a long, long time. You know, um, so I'm actually enjoying having a little bit of time off, reflecting on things. You know, um, see where the future takes me. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And um, you get to see your family and you yeah. get to see the Nordic football family as well in this show. So uh, you can spend the next hour with us maybe chatting and Perfect. You know, looking into the into the recent action that's been on the pitch. So Perfect. let's get into it. We're going to start in Norway, as, as I've said. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, on the last show, we talked about the midweek round and the, and the massive game that was going to take place between Buda Glimt and Molde. Mm. We said, Steve, that it was going to be pretty much a um, title decider. And, uh, you know, it was, would you say, a shocking result, to be honest? Um, you know, it was a big game. I'll let, I'll let you set the scene and tell us what the result was and what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we have to be on the A game tonight, aren't we? With Sean in the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what, Jonathan? I, I, pro- I got this match a little bit wrong. Um, my prediction was obviously Mulder to edge this game. Um, and I gave my reasons beforehand. Uh, the, the actual outcome, Budaglimt, uh, went to the... Aker Stadium and won 2-0. Um, just the second team to go there and get three points this season. I mentioned before, Mulder's home record, magnificent home record. It's such a tough place to go to in Norway. 
and basically Buda Glimt have produced a performance, a top draw performance. Um, you know, short-handed in midfield without Patrick Berg and uh, Ulrich Saltners. And you know they've they've just they've outplayed Mulder on their own backyard slightly. You know it wasn't like a it wasn't like a sort of Man United Liverpool where um, you know it was complete domination or anything. Um, but they went there to their biggest rivals, their own backyard, and um, and did a job on them. Basically, they just they could, for me they controlled the game better. The, the tactics were were better. Their possession of the ball they used it better than what Mulder did. Um, and they took the chances when they needed to. It was it was as if the players they just raised their game in in a big match situation, um, got the three points, uh, just gave them a four point gap, and then results at the weekend. You know, it's no point in beating Mulder two nil away and then not beating Sanderfield, but they just got the job done there one nil. And Mulder have completely had a horrible game. They lost six nil to Godset. So suddenly the title's looking swimmingly, but it was all set up by this fantastic win uh, in Mulder, two goals to nil. Yeah, I'm going to start by uh, reading the results as well before we get too too deep into it. Um, and Sean, you'll have to tell me, you know, you'll have to tell us if you've caught any of these games, but if not, you know, we could, we could definitely ask you from a manager's point of view as well. Mm. Um, I'm going to just read out the results because we had two rounds. So mid midweek round in Norway uh, went as follows. Uh, Wednesday, 27th of October, uh, Haugesson nil, Rosenborg nil. Lillestrøm three, Starbeck nil. Mjøndalen five, <coughs> Christiansen... Sorry. My boy is Christiansen nil. Uh, I actually caught some of that game. I couldn't couldn't believe what I was seeing and had to, had to turn it off. I was um, great uh, great goals in that game, by the way. <laughs> I was really sad, so I turned it off. Uh, <laughs> Sanderfield two, Strumskod set nil. Chwamzone two, odd nil. Uh, Mulder, as you mentioned there, nil. Budiglim two in that in that big uh, title title sort of playoff, you could say. Uh, then on the Thursday, Brand nil, Viking two, and Salzburg two, Olerenga one. Then then the game's just gone. Uh, on Saturday, 30th of October, Christiansen bounced back with a one-all draw against Tromso. Rosenborg losing at home to Lillestrøm 3-1, which is a big result. Yeah. Udeglimt 1, Sanderfjord 0. Uh, odd 2, Mjondalen 2. Starbeck 2, Haugesson 1. A massive result here that we'll talk about as well. Strumsquad set 6, Molder 0. That is just unbelievable. Uh, Viking 1, Sartsborg 2. And then Wallerenga 1, Brand 0. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a huge round of games. Uh, I've just checked my fantasy team. I can't believe what I'm seeing there either. I've got <laughs> minus I've got minus five. <laughs> minus five. Uh, I've actually got 20 points for a whole round. Uh, I don't know what has happened here. Um, beyond back, I think, did he get sent away? Well, he conceded six, six goals, I guess. Yeah, that is a nightmare that. in itself. But, uh, I mean, Sean, just tell us, you know, you're out. Someone has been managing in Norway for the last sort of best part of the season. Mm. Um do you keep much of an eye on the Elite Serian as a manager, is it, or is it hard to keep track when you're sort of in your own world, if you know what I mean? And no, do you sort of look at the games for references, maybe scout the leagues, or you know, how much interaction do you get to have when yeah. you've, when you're in work, and obviously now when you've got a bit more free time? Yeah, to be honest with you, definitely. I mean, I haven't watched as much football as uh, as I did when I was actually working. I watched more when I was when I was working. Um, or even the old boss, look at the old boss as well, because there's you know if you're in like when I was in post nord you you look at players that are maybe not playing so much in old boss to be able to attract them to your level. But of course, I um, kept an eye on some of the results that are going now, especially like it's you know it's the business end of the season, both in Sweden and Norway right now. And and I mean, let's face it, both leagues are showing unbelievable like title races and relegation battles. It's it's, it's scary. But for, you know, I, I watched uh, um, 
some of the game for um, with um, uh, Mulder. And, and I've got to be honest with you, they had a chance early in the game, but after that, their defending was atrocious. They were all, they were all over the place. Um, just being allowed to cut off the, you know, Stremskets had just been allowed to like run through the middle of them. I mean, it was really uncharacteristic. I mean, I know they're a little bit more offensive, Mulder, but that was uncharacteristic for them to be to be done like that. And as soon as they're descending off, that was the end of them, you know. So, um, and I watched the Sandyford game because I still watch. Obviously, I got still. I mean, not being funny, I think five, six of the players starting or being involved in the game on Saturday. I coached them from when they were kids. <laughs> so I know quite a lot of the uh, the players in Sandyfield and, and to be honest with you, Buddha Glimp were a little bit lucky in that game. Sandyfield, it could have easily been 3-3-4-4 three, three, four, four that game. Um, if you watch it, there's some big chances on, on both sides. So, uh, But they just seem to get the job done at the moment, Buddha Glimp, aren't they? They're, just, they're, just, they're a little bit like a machine for me. And like, like Steve said, you know, the, the, the game away at Mulder, was, that was impressive. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head by by describing that they controlled the game much better. They, they they better in deciding when to go forward and when just to keep the ball, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, impressive. Before we'll, we'll ask you, I'll ask you another question on that in a minute, but uh, mm. just, just out of interest, which players did you coach at San Fiord, or is there any that you've seen go on now that you're quite, you know... You've, yeah, yeah, well, uh, Sundon yeah, Moon Foss, obviously he played, he's, he's gone from centre-half to right-back at the moment, I think he is. I'm not, I'm not really sure what the, the system they're playing, but... Um, uh, also, uh, Christopher Norman Hansen is in there. Uh, Andre Sutherland, who I always nicknamed him Sudsy because I could never shout that onto the pitch. It was a complicated name for me. Um, yeah, and some of the other younger players that played more during the early part of the season. I've you know I've coached all of those guys. Uh, William Kirkovich. I mean, I started coaching William and those guys when they were like 15, 16 years of age. So, yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. So. I mean, you were, you know, when we started this podcast, as I mentioned, you know, we first mm. got you on when you were, I think, assistant to, was it Ian Burchin, I believe? Um, in, right in No, 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 I was with, uh, I was the assistant to Lars Bohinen. Yeah, that's Sanfield. right, sorry. And then Apologies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ian Burchin was uh, in Osterson. That's right, yeah, sorry. Mm. Um, you were, you know, as Anderfield's assistant manager, just for those who might not know, mm. uh, and then, you know, you, you've you had two head coaches roles since then, uh, Bromham Poikner, mm. You can actually go in our archives and you can listen to that interview. I came over to Sweden as well and watched some of your coaching sessions and, and, you know, kind of uh, had a look around. Mm. And and then a head role, uh, coaching role at Moss as well, which is in the third tier, am I right in saying, in Norway? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, You know, when we look at this big game, you know, Buda Glimp Molder, you know, you've had big games when you're from a Poikener, you've had big Mm. games when you're at Moss, for example, when you're preparing Mm. massive games like that. Mm. What would, you know, Kit Tilkinson, for example, at Buda Glimp, or what would the manager at at Molder? How would they look at that sort of massive game? Is it kind of, you know, how do you think they would have approached it going into the match? I think those people, that level, the level of experience that they have, they don't, they try to play it down from being a big game. I think they make sure that they do everything exactly the same in terms of preparation as they would for any game. And I think in some ways, I, I think it's important to to take the sting out of it a little bit, if you if you understand what I mean, is try and almost take the importance of the game a little bit out. You have to understand it's a big game. Of course, the players, they don't need to be told that. They, they know that. And I think it's just making sure that you're meticulous with the details. How are they with set pieces? You know, obviously those two teams know each other really, really well. So it's about maybe having a slight little tweak here and a slight little tweak there to, to wrestle the advantage in the game. Uh, I think that's the the number one part of it. Maybe, maybe Buddha Glimp decided, okay, we're not going to be able to go toe to toe with them 
in moments. So we're going to try and control the game uh, as much as we can. And I think they were very successful at that. And and how do you do that, Sean? How do you how do you sort of keep the um, you know, keep how do you keep the players calm? How do you make sure that they you know they keep their feet on the ground? Because when we talked about it with Steve uh, last week, you know, we, mm. we mentioned the kind of you know the club website was offering sort of two for one and pizzas and beers mm. and building up and you know Mulder, for example, they were tweeting about the game with massive mm. videos of their players sort of saying come come and come for the big game, get your tickets, and mm. you know they had videos of all the, the players, the managers, and everything. So how how do you sort of deal with that when at the same time the club is trying to big it up if you know what I mean because given it's such a big game how, how what do you do on the training ground to sort of keep players focused consistency just keep everything consistent and don't don't go off and start doing things that are like a little bit crazy all that side outside of you know the the the, the PR stuff we know that you know clubs players they have to do that kind of thing but I think it's important that when you know I mean you're talking about top professionals at uh, in Norwegian level and um you know getting the players in and training and saying, hey, now, now, we're, now we're at work, now we focus, now we do the things correctly and we work hard on our game plan. Uh, I think it's e in, in many ways it is easier to work with those level of players because their level of professionalism is much, much higher. Simple as that for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. And um, just coming back to you, Steve, uh, you know, just looking at the Mulder, Mulder Buda Glimp game, I mean... It looked like Budi Glimmer in a 4-3-3, Mulder 4-2-3-1. You know, according to Wire Scout, just read some of the stats, uh, it was kind of a Mulder XG 1.35, Budi Glimmer 0.98, but a 2-0 win. So, you know, you could say Mulder maybe had, did have some chances. Um, you know, 53% possession for Mulder, 46 for, well, 46.8 for Budi Glimp. Um, you know, at the end of the day, obviously, who scores the goals wins the game, but... Was it maybe closer than than you thought, or was it? I mean, I know I think you tweeted saying it's a really professional performance. And from your point of view now, with that also that six nil defeat, is is that the title done now? Because it's a it's a seven point gap now with five games to go, fifteen points available. Uh, Buda Glimp now have taken a real edge, haven't they? Yeah, um, I think it's one of them. You look at XG. XG can give good insight into games, but it's one of those that I would say it's a game you've got to watch to actually understand it. And it's one of those, perhaps the, the XG stats don't tell the true story because Buda Glimp were the better team. They just were the better team. And it's sort of in, but, but in both 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 boxes is where they edged it. All right, Mulder, yeah, crucial times in, in, in the game. Um, Mulder didn't take their chance. Buda Glimp took theirs. Um, they, they had a control on the game. And, you know, with XG, I think there was one massive chance that Mulder had and they missed it. That was probably a large proportion of that XG. Um, take that out and, um, you know, it's probably down there in the like, 0.7s. Look, it, it could have ended a draw on another day. Of course it could. But um, a lot of people were expecting... Remember, Mulder were actually odds-on favourites to win this game. You know, they were expected to win it. But it's been a really interesting tussle between these two managers. Two managers I rate highly. I saw some tweets saying Erling Moo... Um, should, should he be a candidate, a candidate to be sacked if he doesn't win the league this year? Um, and I've defended this manager many a time on, on, on the podcast because I, I do rate him highly. They've, they've met each other six times in the last th three seasons and they've both had three wins each and they've both had great moments where they've sort of outcoached the other. Earlier in the season, Erling Moo got one over Jeff Hill. Um, and this, in this particular instance, I think Knudsen just edged him um, it's it, you know it's been a good tactical battle. It's been a good rivalry between the two sides. It's not too much like um, hate or animosity in there. A good healthy rivalry for for Norwegian football, um, indeed. So um, 
Sorry, so, just 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 briefly interrupt. I do apologise, but they're both both great guys as well. <laughs> when you meet mm. them, yeah, gentlemen, you know, exactly. It's not competitive mm. as hell, but um, gentlemen, yeah. Yeah, there's like you know, there's there's some you know stuff said in the media, but not anything ridiculous at that level. I say good, healthy rivalry. It's, it yeah. seems like from Mulder's point of view, it's a disappointment for them that they've not gone and beat Godset at the weekend. They actually they should have gone one nil up. Mm. And I tell you now, this 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 was a, this was a terrible decision by the linesman. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I'm all for an offside, a tight one, getting it wrong. There's nothing you can do about that. This is such an obvious decision that should have been a goal. The ball was the players miles behind the ball. Yeah, and if that goes one nil, Molder, yeah, it's a different. It could be a different game because Godset have been struggling. The problem with Godset, and this happened against Sarpsborg as well. They beat them five nil, but whilst it was nil nil, Sarpsborg probably could have scored twice themselves. And if Godset get into a, a rhythm, they are. I mean, Fred Friday, yeah. happy days for him. Yeah. Um, Friday, he just went riot, and then Molder kind of lost their heads. Then you got the midweek game in your mind, and yeah, it's seven point gap. Jonathan you said they've actually not got that many easy games left. Buda Glim, but they only need nine official points to win the league. So um, uh, for me, it's probably done now. Yeah. Yeah, and I caught I caught the Godset Molder game actually. Some of that I wanted to tune in for that, and. Um... It was like like you say. I mean that that goal really did change things, didn't it? And then once that was scored, I mean Friday, Hover, Stengel, Gullikson, Tokstad, uh, and Gullikson with another one. The goals. I mean they kind of blew them away, really. They, 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 you know, the first goal was in the thirty fifth minute, and by half time they were three 0 up. And then then they had another sort of salvo in the last fifteen minutes. You know they got two goals in the, in the, from the ninetieth minute. Um, I mean that's an incredible collapse, really. What what exactly happened there with Molder? I mean, was it just lack of concentration? You say that they kind of were a bit unlucky, but <clears throat> I mean, that is one almighty collapse for a team going for the title. Defense, defensive shape was gone. Um, you know, when you three 0 down the match, I'm sure Sean will say this. You've got to take more risks, haven't you? Um, mm. You know, the red card was a last man foul. If he hadn't have made the foul, it probably goes four 0 anyway. But Godset are a funny side. Marionless Stadium is a very difficult place to go. The crowd really get behind them. It can become a bit of a maniac atmosphere. Uh, they can get on top of you, and um, and that's what happened. They went. They, they're not the sort. If they're in, if they're confident, they're up for it. They want to rack up the score. They're not the sort of side that's going to hold on and win one nil or something. And it's just one of those games. Molder were not as bad as a six nil suggests, but they just kind of lost their defensive shape, and that can happen in a match. It can happen to anyone, you know. Um, shame for them that it's probably ended a really close title battle, but. Um, is the way it is. I mean, it's difficult when you're behind, isn't it, Sean? Like hundred percent. Um, it's a nightmare when you've uh, had a few of those, uh, a few of those situations this season. To be honest with you, but um, <clears throat> it's never easy. And, you know, you go in at half time and you talk, you talk about okay, now you know we don't want to lose this game four, five, six nil. You know, we're gonna we, we want to consolidate and be a little bit tight. But with Molder being in the situation they're in, I don't think they wanted to do that. So consequently, by by then going for it a little bit to get themselves back into the game, they left themselves ridiculously open at the back, and uh, it was yeah. And obviously, as soon as the sending off happened, it was that was it. C'est la vie. C'est la vie indeed, and it means that Glimt have not lost a game in the league since June thirtieth of June away to Sandefjord Euro Club. Sean uh, was yeah, the last yeah. in the league, um, and then of course they lost to Mulder as well. Those are their only well, and odd as well. Those are their three defeats this season. Their remaining five games, Haugesen away. Uh, then we've got the international break. Then they've got Lustrum at home, Rosenborg away, Bran at, at home, and Mjondalen away. They need nine points, as you've mentioned there, Steve. Sean, not, easy, not easy games, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. In your opinion, is the league done, Sean? 
title? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's completely done yet. I, I, I to be honest with you, I think the Halgerson game is is massive. I, honestly, yes, I think if they if they nail that one, because that's a difficult one, and they play on Thursday, don't they, against uh, Roma away? So I tell you what, the you know the 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 European thing can catch up a little bit. So, and like you say, they've had a. I think they've got a. They've had a knock again. They've had a couple of knocks now, and yeah, it'll be interesting still to see what happens. I think there's still a lot of football to be played. Yeah, one, one thing's for sure, Mulder are going to need, they're going to need to really, well, pretty much win. Win every game. You could say win every game now, couldn't yeah. you? Um, yeah. Yeah. But they are, cap- they are capable of doing it, though. Mm. Yeah, just looking at their, their running as well, they've got Sanderfield at home, yeah. uh, Rosenborg at home, Brown away, Lillestrom at home, Halgerson away. So really those Sanderfield, <laughs> Rosenborg games they, and Brown away, they've got to sort of win yeah. the next three games minimum yeah. um, to give them a chance. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's interesting stuff. Uh We'll move on now to the European games because uh, Glimp are going to be in action again. Um, before we do that, Sean, what was your thoughts on that six-one uh, destruction of Jose Mourinho in that uh, Glimp game? Mate, I didn't. I didn't watch the game because I was a bit like, ah, you know, when we'll go there, stifle the game, win one-nil. You know, typical Jose. And then someone texts me, friend of mine, have you seen the the scoreline? No. Then he just put in a six-one. I was like, what? <laughs> joking me I have a word I don't know when I watch the highlights it was just like I mean they scored some they, they were a little bit like what you said about Stem, um, Stemskut so they, they they just went at them and, and when everything they touched went in there were some fantastic goals I, I think they just absolutely shell-shocked them but you could see all the Italians were on the sideline you know with their hats on and big coats and you know it was pretty uh hostile up there isn't it do you know what I mean let's face it so uh, they weren't used to that and got I think they totally underestimated them and got a spanking and that's why I think Jose will not make that same mistake on Thursday um, I think he'll play a much stronger team at home so it could be a very very difficult night for, for Buddha Glimp yeah of course Roma against Glimp at the uh, Stadio Olimpico mm. uh, Europa Conference League it's, it's a game that you know if you look at the groups um, Glimp are currently top so mm. Yeah, it's um, Glimp top, Roma second, uh, Zoria third, and CSK Sofia at bottom of the, of the group. Mm. Three games left to go. Um, is it too qualifying, Steve? And, and what are your so, what's your thoughts on the, this game coming up? Because you did not fancy them in the first leg. Um, do you give them a hope in this one now, or what's your thoughts? I would be surprised because I think um, in terms of the group, the, the match now probably means more to Roma than, than it does Buda Glimt. Um, you know, Buda are now probably thinking about Hogs and away, which Sean mentioned there. That's that can be that's a banana skin game at the weekend. They'll be thinking about that match, and you know they've done they've had a great start to this conference league, but they still have matches against Zoria and CSK Sofia. I mean, if Sofia, Sofia is it Sofia? I don't know how you pronounce that. I would never do. Um, but they've only got one point. Zoria have got three. And, um, you know, they've got at least one home match against one of them two teams. So is this like a free hit for Glimp now? No pressure on them. They're going to have a bit of fun. But I think they needed to come out of that match unscathed with no injuries, things like that. Um, look, Mourinho's not going to get embarrassed again, is he? So he's going to, he will field a stronger team, whether it's his very strongest 11, I don't know. But there's no way he's going to allow himself to be embarrassed again. Mourinho would probably like to do a job on, on Buda Glimp if he could. Um, but it'll probably just be, you know, he's not stupid either. There's no, he's not a rack up the score sort of manager, is he? Very often. So I think I could see it being sort of like a two or three nil to, to Roma, really. 
Mm. Be interesting to see if how Budaglim approach it. Like you said, uh, I'm interested if they decide to drop into a compact four-five-one and, and actually play counter-attacking football, which is something they can do. Unbelievable. They still have a lot of speed, you know. Um, I, I've been. I'm going to watch that. It'll be an interesting game, really. Yeah, first first place goes through, and second place goes to what, I, what I'm seeing here described as a preliminary knockout round. Um, really? Steve, any, any light on that? With the third place teams from the Europa, the main Europa League, which is that I hate that. But oh. so the third place teams in the Europa League play second place teams from. Um, Conference, conference. Yeah. Mm. For what? A place in the next round of the conference yeah, the, league? Yeah, if you win your conference league group and you get a buy in the first knockout round. Okay. So if you win the group, you go through automatically to the next round. And yeah. then if you come second, you play a third place team in the Europa League to go through to the next round of the conference league. Yeah, either you either play a third place team from, from the main Europa League or another team that finishes second in conference league. Mm. As, as usual, UEFA make it quite complicated. But, um, but finish the, just get in the top two, all right? Just finish in the top two. <laughs> take it from across the bridge. You know, you might win the group. Yeah. You know, you've got to win matches, basically, from that point onwards anyway, haven't you? Yeah. I've got to say that is a very um, <laughs> convoluted way of having it. But uh, fair enough, it gives teams in the, who couldn't even make it out of the Europa League group another chance uh, to continue getting the, the revenue, I suppose. Um I mean, we talked about the absolute battering on the last podcast, uh, you know, so go back and listen to that if you wanted to get some more insight into the great work from Ketio Knutsen and Buda Glimp. Um, so we'll just quickly sort of ask you for predictions in this game. Uh, Sean, you want to go first? What's your prediction, maybe? Um, I'm going to I'm gonna just go for 2-1 Buda Glimp. In the Stadio Olimpico? Yeah, I'm going for it. Big. And uh, Steve? Well, I'll say 2-0 I'll to Roma for this one. 2-0 to Roma. I'm going to stick my neck on the line as well i'm going to say two two draw um so one of us is going to be right one of us is going to be right (laughs) in some way at least uh but it's been interesting to see a bit of a reaction from Jose Mourinho. just for those who might be interested you know he's not been happy at all he's he's actually uh, ostracized quite a few of the players who played in that first that 6-1 game uh he made some of them not even train with uh, the squad after their battering uh, because obviously he did play quite a few fringe players um I think the agent of one of the players, Amadou Diarawara, came out and said it's an uncomfortable situation after his player was basically uh, taken out of the Roma squad completely, um, along with some other players, um, Borja Mayoral, Gonzalo Villar and Brian Reynolds. Uh, They were both dropped from his squad for the next two games. So Jose Mourinho up to his old tricks, um, basically throwing them under the bus in a way. Uh, It'd be interesting to see if he he can get a reaction out of them and and see see how things go. his agent, Daniele Piriano, described um, Mourinho's... He said that his play had been made a scapegoat. Is he making a horrible price for the error or is Mourinho trying to sell him? I think it is an uncomfortable situation. So clearly there's obviously a bit of beef there going on at Roma. So you never know. Glimp might be able to take advantage of that. But, he, um, but and- you, you know, Jose Mourinho, he, he, he uses almost uses that game to sort of put people out. If they have a bad game, it's like, perfect, now I can push him away. That's what he, yeah, that's how exactly. he, sets, he sets it up. He does it on purpose. <laughs> and, and yeah, and just on a further note, they uh, their most recent game they lost uh, at home against uh, AC Milan in the in the game just gone in in Syria. So maybe a little bit of pressure there for for AS Roma that Glimp can take advantage of. Yeah. Let's move on to um, the next talking point, which is <clears throat> Viking Rosenborg. Now mm. there's a bit of a battle here for third place in, in Norway mm. uh, coming on. 
my boys Christensen have not had a great run of it. They were third for quite some time. They're now down to sixth. There's four points between uh, sixth and third. It's now occupied by Viking um, after yeah. their results. Uh, Steve, tell us what's been going on with Viking and Rosenborg just quickly. Viking have been good form. They've won something like four or five games in a row and they should have beat Salzburg, to be honest. Um, they just missed a lot of chances in that game and they, they might look at that and they really let a good chance slip. If they won that game, they'd be level on points with Mulder. Rosenborg are a weird side. They had a great run um, sort of the back end of the summer and now they've only won one of the last five games. I actually, I didn't see the one game I didn't see, Rosenborg Lillestrom. I was otherwise engaged on Saturday evening. Um, I'd not seen this game. So I don't, that's the first win Lillestrom have had at the Lurkendal Stadium in um, in about 15 or 20 years, I do believe. So a, a stunning outcome there. Um, it's not good enough for Rosenborg as a club, is it? If they don't finish in a medal position. Um, it's just not good enough, I'm sorry. Um, with their resources, it's, it would be unacceptable. Look, it's one of three for me that get the, the bronze medal, uh, Viking, Rutenborg or Lillestrom. Toss a three-way coin um, because, you know, they've all three clubs have shown um, signs of dropping points recently. Um, I would I know, I'd probably... I'd like to see Viking get third place. I think they, they, they played some nice eye-catching football this year, but um, it's tough to call. Yeah, goals from Hovland uh, and then <clears throat> Matthew, uh, Lennart Olsen and Pettersson turned the game around for for, for Lillestrom. I mean, I don't know if anyone actually caught this game, but uh, it looked like half the stadium's <coughs> on fire with the, uh, the so there's some flares in the, I think, the away end, is it? Uh, from Lillestrom fans. It looked like the, the actual stadium was on fire. Oh, uh, the, the way, the way the it looked. Lillestrom fans can be a bit tasty, to be fair. Yeah, it looks really lively in that ground when they took the uh, when Rosenborg took the lead. Anyway, uh, but yeah, nice goal from Matthew, then Lennart Olsen, and then a last uh, a late goal, 85th minute from Pettersson. Mm. Um, Sean, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, you you're living in Norway, mm. and coaching in you know you've coached in Norway, you've been a head coach. Mm. Rosenborg haven't had the best of times in the last few years. No. How? What? You know, we know in England how much how seriously we take our football, and for example, if a team like you know, if a top team like Manchester United or Liverpool isn't doing well, it's like a big story and, you know, it's all you hear about in the news type thing, sports pages, back pages, that kind of thing. What's it like with Rosenborg? I mean, is it is it kind of something that's talked about or is it kind of... Um, yeah, it's the same. Especially within football circles, you know, what's what do they make of this in Norway in terms of their run over the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I'm, I think it's been my personal view of it and I'm, I certainly don't know the, the politics and the details of what goes on in the Rosenborg football club but I think if you go all the way back to when they had this kerfuffle with Korda uh, in the Brixen you know um, it was not a nice ending to that situation and then from there onwards they, I think their recruitment policy has, has been haphazard I don't think it's done with enough structure in my personal view um, I'm not sure that they found the right manager, the right fit. I think they made a definite few mistakes in, in, in that scenario afterwards. And it, they are, I mean, they, they are a massive club. I mean, they're, they're huge in Norway. They're, probably, they're the biggest club. There's no doubt about that. I know Mulder are now and, and Buddha Glimp are coming, but historically we know how big they are. So it is big news. And, and they absolutely, if you've seen their squad, I mean, they've had a few injuries to be fair to them, but still they should be doing much, much better than what they are. They have to be challenging for a medal. So at the, at the moment, for me, it, dep it, it depends what team turns up. One day they turn up and they look up, they look fantastic. And then, you know, three, four days later, they turn up and you think like, you know, it's like Keystone Cops are all over the place. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And if anyone hasn't seen the highlights of that game, uh, you may be able to catch them on YouTube. I mean, the Lillestrøm fans go absolutely crazy when they score. Mm. And uh, I wanted to ask you one question as well before we move on from that. Um, 
uh, Sean, you, I think you've actually coached one of their players at Osterson's, am I right? Is that um, yeah, Edison? Tom Patterson? Yeah, he's, he yeah. scored a lovely uh, goal towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on him. Cracking player, absolutely fantastic lad. Uh, you know, good, good lad. He was the captain in Osterson. He wasn't, he wasn't the captain that was verbal or anything like that. He was. He was more. Uh, it was more. You know how he performed on the pitch. Um, that he was that type of captain. He wasn't loud or anything like that. But he, his professionalism and how he worked and his mentality was. It said. It said everything about him. Uh, a very cultured player, tall, uh, left-footed, lovely left foot on him. Really, really good at playing in between the lines. Really good. Can can hit hit passes along the floor into the opposite pockets. Uh, wingers coming inside and stuff like that. So, and you know he's he, he has he's been known to pop up and score quite a few goals in his uh, in his time. Um, yeah, good lad. And his 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 wife, uh, fantastic football player. Played thirty two times or so for Sweden and coaches the Swedish national under seventeens women's team. So uh, it's a football family. <laughs> There you go. That's the insight that you, you yeah, cannot yeah. get anywhere except the Nordic Football yeah. Podcast. And, and uh, great bit of knowledge there. Yeah, Pedersen scored, Pedersen right. scored from a set piece and also Leonard Olsen from a set piece. So Rosenborg clearly dealing with tro yeah. having trouble with set pieces. Yeah. Pedersen was actually, he left Ossesons for Cincinnati and yeah. then turned up at, at Lillestrom. So um, good yeah. to see him doing well. He's 31 now, but good to see him getting the most out of his, out of his career. Yeah, um, absolutely. And his wife was also on the coaching staff in Ostersen with Ian. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. So. She, she, she's like uh, she's a bit like it's a bit like you, mate. She's got uh, a brain as big as a planet when it comes to names of players and really detailed, really detailed. She was fantastic stuff. Good to hear it. And uh, Nadia, thanks for that. Um, and yeah, we're going to move on to the relegation battle now before we end, end part one. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, the first place to start, I guess, is is uh, is Mion Dallin, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, <clears throat> Steve, tell us what what's been going on there because they've had a you know up and up and downs really, isn't it? Yeah, and you know what we talked about the seven 0 loss at Augustine, didn't we? And I did say that they will not make any rash decisions and that Vegar Hansen will be given certainly till the end of the season. Uh, he he decides when he leaves that club. He's he's part of the furniture. Um, I've got to give it to, to. I don't know how he keeps their spirits up. I mean, they they have. It was the same last year. I think they had a terrible run of results at one point. They come back and they're beating Christiansen five nil, and no one in no one in their right mind could have predicted this. I, I did not see this coming. The only thing I'll say is Christiansen do struggle as a favourite. They just don't seem to. They're not very good with that dynamic. It was the same against Tromso as well. Although quite why they were the favourite in that game, I had no idea. Um, but look, me and Darwin have given themselves a chance. They've not only beaten Christiansen five nil. They were two nil down against Odd uh, the weekend with literally ten minutes left, fifteen minutes left. And they've been outplayed, odd outplayed them, but they've somehow got the mental resolve to keep going, keep fighting, and they get a couple of goals in, in the space of two minutes, one of which was an unbelievable hit from Larson. Um, and they've got themselves a point out of nowhere. And the, look, it looks at the minute two from three will be going down. Um, Starbeck had a great win as well. I mean, I thought, you know, Sanderfjord might get sucked into it. I certainly thought Sarpsborg might. And we'll have a quick talk about them in a minute, the, the, the recent resurgence they've had. Um, but now it does look like two from three. And look, Mjern Dahlen are an unbelievable fighting team, Jonathan. And you've somehow, I don't think, I think a lot of people want to see them go down and just because of the style they play. But you, you cannot knock their fighting spirit and uh, incredible desire just to, to get as many points as they can. 
Yeah, I mean, they're still bottom of the table, but they've given themselves, like you say, you know, they're now 10 points away from safety uh, with five games to go, but two points away from the relegation playoff, which could be a lifeline for them. Um, Sandefield are the team that's in the, you know, just outside it and in, in 13th place on 29 points. Then there's an eight-point gap to 14th. So Starbeck, Brand, and Mjolnir are really up against it now to sort of escape relegation. Uh, Brand still in that bottom two as well, and, and Starbeck are in that relegation playoff in 14th. Uh, Sean, you've been at clubs like Sandefield, uh, for example, where you're sort of fighting relegation. Um, mm. How do you motivate the players, keep them grounded? What what you know bit, tip bits have you learned as a manager when you're in that situation? What's it like dealing with it? It's it's not easy, um, but I mean, if you're talking about Meundal and they, they they've developed this, if you want, I'm gonna. I know it's a bit doesn't maybe. Uh, a bit random but it's a little bit like that Alex Ferguson mentality of like everybody's against us everybody hates us no one likes us and that's what they do at Myundalan and it galvanizes them they they just they just have this unique the coach there you know he's um he's a character um and some I know a few of the players down there as well and their characters as well and they have this like you say they don't give up they just they they they, they probably every time they're in the elite city and it's like it's it's just like this is this is brilliant for us. This is amazing, and that's why I think when they have the run of bad results, they they take it better than a lot of other clubs. Um, but it, it's not it's not easy to keep the players focused. And again, I go back to you know when you're at the top of the league, you've got to just be consistent. Don't do anything crazy. Sometimes maybe give them an extra day off. Maybe you need to go out together to a restaurant and have some dinner. So those kind of things help you if that's how you want to uh, want to do it yourself. But um, you know, if you think about Myundal and how they are, Starbeck have a mentality of like they're fighting this kind of a little bit similar, and they've had some a turbulent season. The pressure's on Bran. Bran have all the pressure. They went out and spent a little bit of money, brought in, recruited really well. But they, you know, if you see the game against Volringer, you know, they were a little bit unlucky in that game as well. So uh, it's tough. I think they're the ones under the most pressure right now. Yeah, when you, um, you know, we've got Mjolnir's running, by the way. They've got Viking next. Then they've got mm-hmm. Strumsquad set away. Sarpsborg at home. Wallerenga away. Glimt at home. So that is a really tough run for them. Yeah. You mentioned sort of, you know, go out for dinner or, you know, try and ch- change the morale. Mm-hmm. Do, do you get players like coming to you, complaining? You know, like how, when it kind of hits the fan, like how, how bad does it get compared to sort of like, you know, pre-season uh-huh. or normal times? You know, is it really random things happening or or does it depend on the characters you have how do you galvanize and deal with the individual people around the club 100 percent, it's about the people you have inside the club and you know where you're at i mean we you know we went uh, i was with, uh, with with lash when we went up um in uh, 2014 and we we came down with a big bang um the following season you know and we, we knew it was going to be difficult and we got to a point where we were like okay listen you know this is where we are guys we're going to fight for it as best as we can and we realised we weren't good enough at that time. But when we went down, we regalvanised ourselves and came straight back up again. And I think teams like Myundal, and I think they already have got that acceptance about them. You know, of course, you don't want to go down. But if they do, it's not the end of the world for them. Financially, they they, they still manage to cope and keep, keep a good level and get themselves back again. So it is about the characters that you have in the group. And of course, if players are not playing, they will always come and complain to you. And, and complain or at least ask questions, you know, why am I not playing and blah, blah, blah. And especially if you're losing games, it makes even more sense for a player to come in who's not playing. So 
for me, it's always been no matter what level you're at, I think you have to be honest. You have to be honest to your players and tell them this is how you see things. And they have to accept that. And remember that it's important that players take responsibility for themselves and their own actions as well, you know. Uh, so that, that's an important factor for me. I've got a question for you, Sean. Um, yes. It's about um, one of your, uh, one of the one of the guys that you used to work with, Lars Bahinen, um, mm. because we, we've mentioned on this show in, in the last few weeks, you know, what sides could get sucked into trouble potentially. Mm. And I honestly thought Sarpswell were a candidate for it. And mm. I certainly thought that when they announced that he would not be the uh, manager next year, that he was, you know, end of the contract, that's it. Mm. Um, incredibly, um, they've responded with three fantastic wins. 3-1 mm. at Christ Christiansen, which is a tough place to go. Really? Great win against Volarenga, and they've gone to Beacon and won 2-1. They played mm. some very, very good football. And um, knowing Lars, how, how, how would how, how, how would he sort of prepare the players to keep them motivated when, when they know that you know they're not going to be playing under him next year? Mm. How would he have dealt with that situation? How do you think he's got so the performance is so good? I think the only way you do that is that actually you have the players have trust in you. So that's number one for me. You can see the players, you can see the amount of running and effort they put in. It shows you that they, they're fully invested in what he's doing. Regardless of if the club make their own decision about what they want to do, I, I, I'm the same as you. I think it's, it, it seems crazy to me. I don't understand why you would make that statement and 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 be that way, because it, it it could it could have gone the other way, couldn't it? Well, it still can. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but I think they're a little bit enough out of it to be able to get dragged in. But I think at the end of the day, I know I know Lash really well, and I know that for him, it's about pride as well, pride in your job. You're a professional football player. You get paid pretty good money for doing a, an amazing job. And um, that's, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> one of the motivations about how I would see it is that don't be, don't be part of a squad that goes down, you know, mm -hmm. take pride in your job yeah. and make sure that you, you know, you, you, you do things correctly. And let's face it, professional football players, they're, they're playing for their futures. Are they playing for the future in that club or are they playing for their future in another club? Because that's what, that's what it's about. Um, I think like, my personal view a little bit not to again i don't know all the politics that goes on in in Sussburg, but it seems that they kind of lost their way a little bit at the moment um recruitment wise and maybe a bit unsure about what kind of manager they want in what where what direction they're going in so uh, it'll be very very interesting to see who they appoint and, and where they go after the end at the end of the season to be honest with you yeah i mean the way i see it i mean i think lars would if he does end up leaving which looks like it yeah, he he goes with his head held high now. Absolutely. Um, you know, he could look. They could feasibly finish as high as eighth, even seventh at a push. Yeah, and that would he would leave with a good rep in in place, and you know, highly employable still. And you know, they would. You know, they. You're right. I think they need to make a decision about what exactly what direction they went in. I actually think they had a bit of a break losing Mikel Star at that time because I think it was just going a bit stale for him there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's interesting to see. I mean, just before we finish this section. Which two teams do you think will will go automatically? Oh, I think Meandal uh, will go down. I think uh, when um, uh, when Jonathan uh, named the, the games that they've got left, very very difficult for them to to recover. I think personally, and I'm, I'm going to flip a coin between Brann and Starbeck. The one I don't know. Starbeck, the the young coach that's come in there, has done an amazing job, and I know I know a couple of players. 
and 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 they're they're really they've really bought into the boy. Uh, you know, they've really bought into his methods and how he's working. They're, they're, he's rejuvenated that squad, and I watched them uh, away. Uh, sorry, Sanifield played the Starbuck away, and I watched that game, and Starbuck were awful. Absolutely shocking. They didn't look like they had any idea. Now they look like they've got an idea of what they're doing. So I don't know. There's there's more pressure on Brun, isn't there? As a, as a club yeah. as big as they are, and, and they spent money to bring certain players in, quality players as well. There's much more pressure on them. Whereas I think Starbeck are just going in there and just they're a little bit like a boxer that's been hurt a little bit. They're just swinging <laughs> and hoping that they connect with something. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I, I worry. I worry. I worry for Bran, and yeah. I've seen it happen before with my own eyes. They, they, mm. I've seen them, this club get relegated. Mm. Um, they come back from it well, and they would come back from it again. But I, I, one thing I would say is, I'm pretty sure whoever finishes third bottom will stay up because the playoff system is very much favoured in in sort of elite seven clubs. Yeah, favoured yeah. with you know in preparation and things like that. And I don't really. I don't know enough about the teams. You'll probably know more than me. Yeah, I can't imagine a team like Yerv or someone. Beating like a Bran or even like a Starbeck, to be honest. Frederick start maybe with support, but they seem to have drifted off form. Mm. Um, you know, it looks like Hamcam. Hamcam, by the way, they're literally all but up mathematically. Yeah, what a great name for a club. It looks like Arlison probably will be yeah. in the box seat for second place as well. But so, yeah, I think yeah. so now. I yeah, and Bran, Bran, sorry to come in there. Um, Bran yeah. has the final games in their running. They got Rosenborg next at home, which is a massive game. Oof. Then they got to go to Sandefjord away, uh, Budaglimt away. And then Sarpsborg at home, so a massive running for Brand. I mean, before that game, they've actually gone six unbeaten before these last two defeats. But these two defeats really look like they could be mm. uh, potentially fatal for their Elitserian survival chances. Mm. We're going to move on because we're we, we've we've overrun a little bit in the Norway section. But um, before we do, do you know? Uh, do you happen to have any exclusive uh, as, as someone who knows Lars Bahina quite well? Do you know? Happens to know we might be off to Sean at all? Have you had any? Conversation no, him. no, absolutely no, not not nothing like that. Because he's just focusing on, on on the job he's got now, and of course, exactly like what Steve said, he wants to walk away there with his head held high and say, "Hey, listen, I did a good job. I, you know, I I, I did what I was brought in to do, and uh, and so far, that's, it seems that that's, that's what he's doing. So, I think he'll approach that later on when uh, when the season's finished. And I I, I think for, personally, if you look into the into elite ceiling clubs next season, and and definitely all boss clubs. I don't think he's going to have too much problems getting a job. Fantastic stuff. And uh, as you've put uh, as you put Sean on the spot there, Steve, I'm going to ask you as well, as it stands, which two teams do you think are going down automatically? I think we and Dallin will go down. And um, I think Brown are going to join them. Mm. Fair enough. That wraps it up for part one. Coming up in part two, we're going to talk a little bit about Sean's life and times, the life and times of Sean Constable, <laughs> oh, uh, the man himself, the legend. <laughs> And we're also going to talk about Sweden because, again, we've had a midweek round and there's been some games this evening as well, which uh, potentially could swing the title race. So uh, stay tuned, listen to the theme music and get yourself a coffee or whatever you need and join us uh, after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss. I'm with Jonathan Verdubber, as always. And we've got a special guest on the show, Sean Constable. Um, Sean, um, I think it's time to uh, talk a little about where your life's been, 
since um, you, you were last on the show. Um, you're at Bromma Poikina. Mm. Um, manager points per game, 1.88 average points per game at Bromma Poikina. Mm. Wasn't enough for that uh, for the board there. Um, and uh, you were let go. You turn up at Moss FK, a team in um, the third tier of Norwegian football. Quite a, yeah. a hotbed of football, actually. A footballing region for, for Norway. There's quite a few... Clubs there with fierce rivalries in the southeast of Norway. So, Moss FK, you were appointed there January 2021. What was it like for you to, well, first head coach role in Norwegian football? You must have been a proud man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even more so going to a club with such, you know, big traditions as, uh, as, as Moss. You know, and um, they... You know, back in the eighties, they played against Bayern Munich and uh, Real Madrid and the European Cup. You know, they they they've been up there at that level. Um, there was the heyday during that period of time. So, um, you know, a lot of history. But they've had a tough last fifteen years or so. Economically, it's been tough for them, and you know, they've had some ups and downs. They never quite had that step where they could push to get themselves into uh, into the Obos League. And I think they went down to the third division for a bit and came back up. So, yeah, it was it was it was great to get that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a player on the show, um, Amin Askar, mm. who in, he actually played for Moss back in the day. He also played for Frederikstad and yeah. Sarpsborg. Incredible. Uh, he played for all three fierce rivals, and he, we did. He had a, we had a great talk that day about um, sort of it's a uh, yeah, great area for football. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you've had you know you said they've had some tough times. You've had it looks like look at the results this season, some some ups mm. and downs. Mm. I've got a I've got to talk to you about the cup win you had against Frederikstad. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in August. I mean, that must be one of the highlights. Of, <laughs> Of the of your uh, time at Moss, yeah, that was that was cracking, and we, you know, we we. To be honest with you, I was really disappointed with them. Um, I thought they would have been, um, yeah, I, I I thought they they didn't play very much. They were quite direct um, and relying a lot on their on their front three, who, who by the way are, are, are really decent. Um, and I think they struggled with us with our possession because it is the kind of football I like to play. Uh, um, yeah, so we did really well, and we we, we went one 0 down, which everybody expected us to then go on and get 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 smashed kind of thing. But we came back really quickly after conceding that goal and um, get a penalty, and we we, we go one one at half time, and we go in there with, to be honest with you, just absolutely low shoulders. Just just said to the guys, you've got nothing. All the pressure is on them guys. You just go out, enjoy yourselves, drop your shoulders down, play with confidence, be brave. And, you know, um, at the end of the day, I make two substitutions and they both come on and both score. So <laughs> it, was one of, it was one of those moments where everybody's like, oh, I've well done. But, you know, a week and a half before that, I made three substitutions and we conceded two goals. So, you know, <laughs> it's a toss of a coin sometimes, you know. So, But that was, it was a great experience. That was fantastic. Yeah, Sean, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you... <laughs> It's quite funny on this podcast because we have guests and we always keep in touch with them. We try our best to sort of, mm. you know, bring them back on when we can. We've had Rafa Roldan, for example, on twice, yeah. who you know, whether you work with. Top, top um, man, top man. We've, you know, then we had Ian Birchnell on twice, for example. We've had yeah. many, many people through yeah. the years. Axel Kial came on twice. We mm. try and keep in touch with these people. But you're probably the man who's, you know, <laughs> consistently, I would say if you're charting like your life, then the Nordic yeah. podcast is the place to sort of do it because uh, every single time you've had a, a juncture in your life yeah. um you know you kind of i remember when you left ossesons for example and you came on yeah. the show 
Um, yeah. And we had a deep discussion there. So anyone digging into the archives will probably know your whole life story. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, I wanted to just, I wondered, because the Bromo Poikina uh, job, you, yeah. know, you were very close to getting promoted and you just missed out. I think it was a penalty shootout, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And um, in that interview, we talked about their academy and and mm. and kind of that was your first head coach role. And I, I really love coming to see you and mm. watching the training sessions, for example, and just seeing how you manage things, mm. uh, your analysis team, stuff like that. I, I, I really enjoyed the behind the scenes element to it. And then COVID came along and I, I don't think I've been abroad since. <laughs> yeah, but, um, exactly. What I wanted to ask you was, what have you learned from Moss? that say you didn't know when you left Bromo Poika, if you know what I mean, because obviously you're on your evolution as a, as a coach. Mm. Um, you left Bromo Poika, obviously, is, I'd imagine you were quite disappointed at the time to leave, mm, um, absolutely. Given, given how things had gone. Mm. Just take us back to that point when you left, you know, what did you feel you'd learned taken away from it? And then what do you think you've also learned now from Moss? Leadership, everything um, about how you lead. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, the the Brummapoikina job was was an amazing job to be at and and when I went to Moss I probably realised how much I was spoiled at Brummapoikina in many ways when you think about the level even though the two levels are kind of equivalent they're both third level in Sweden and, and in Norway but the level of players at Brummapoikina was was much higher absolutely no doubt whatsoever about that um, and that, that's not being uh, detrimental to the guys in Moss whatsoever. It's just, that's just the facts that Bowman you know, in, in that respect, are kind of a bigger club and they had, the finances were much higher. So there was, you know, players, as you can see this season, they've done amazing this year and they they they, they spent a little bit of money this year, Bowman Poikino, to make sure they got out of that league where they deserve to be in, in Super Etten. So I think it was my biggest, uh, my biggest learning being in Moss was to understand the level and to understand the players that you're dealing with and the type of information that you give them on game days and in training and stuff like that. And uh, that was an interesting journey on, on both accounts. But this time in Moss, it's more about, I learned a lot about language. Um, a little bit, been reading a little bit about Verheyen as well when he talks about, you know, uh, non-contextual talking to players and non-contextual language. Um, so I find that quite fascinating. And um, yeah, it was a big learning curve for me in that respect. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't quite work out for you at Moss, obviously. And, and you know, mm. you've recently left your role. Mm. Was there anything that you kind of now, <clears throat> having been at Moss, like what, what was the experience like in terms of, you said it was a very different level of players. Mm. Was there any other challenges or, you know, especially being a COVID season, I remember you saying at one point you, you had a long waiting time between the leagues, yeah. starting that kind of thing. Like, um, yeah, if you're we doing to... it again now, was there anything you didn't know at the time that maybe you could take into your next job? The one thing I would, I would 100% say that there was a period when uh, I should have changed the system, no doubt. Um, but the the club were very much uh, focusing on a four three three, and I play four three three a certain particular way. In in hindsight, I should have gone to a four two three one much much earlier than i did and it was more like personnel should, should this player play my gut instinct was there to say do it and i didn't um and we conceded too many goals and there was a problem with that because the way i wanted to play having number sixes they need to be mobile and, and maybe we didn't quite have that player uh there at that particular time also i know this might sound a bit uh, i don't know how the viewers might uh might interpret it but 
you need sometimes a little bit of the football gods to be on your side. Um, and we lacked that a few times in the season. And one particular situation was uh, was the striker, um, Sebastian Pedersen, who's the younger brother of Marcus Pedersen, who you probably both of you know very well. Um, a, a different character, but fantastic player. And, and to be honest with you, he is the best striker in the league. Um, and I and, and we lost him after five games. He scored five goals in five games, and we lost him for I think five six games. He came back, scored two goals in two, um, and then uh, did his cruciate ligament. And and even though it's only one player, it was a huge loss to us. Um, and I can honestly say that he he's like a uh, 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 he's he's like a little bit similar to Veton Beresha in Viking. He's an absolute machine pressing. On his own, fantastic uh, player and a fantastic left foot to score goals. Great in the air, and he's not that big. Um, and so to lose him was a massive thing. And, and to be honest with you, if he stays in the team, we probably get those extra five, six points in mid-table, and everything would have been fine. Sean, um, there's there's obviously there'll be people listening to this podcast, maybe certain clubs and stuff. Um, what sort of manager are you now? What is your style? What sort of qualities, what sort of style of football can could you bring um, to, to a football club out there? Where are mm. we with Sean Constable, sort of the philosophies and the, and the, the sort of tactical identity now? Mm. Wow. How to bring that down into a, a short conversation? That's going to be difficult. No, um, at the end of the day, I, I think you have to be adaptable. I think you have to adapt. You can't. I, I, I want. I want to play football. I want to play through the through the zones or through the lines, whatever you want to call it. But when I'm playing a four three three, I tend to I tend to either have my number six drop between my two centre halves, or, or I leave the six up and a, the two eights drop down either side um, to create the overload and the build up um, and try and play through the lines basically and get my wingers inside, get my fullbacks high and wide. Uh, very much to be. I'm, I'm much more an attacking coach than I am a defensive one. I think ideally, if I have a choice of bringing in an assistant, I'll bring an assistant in that's you know defensive minded, so we get the get a little bit of a balance there, which would be a good idea. Um, I would like to score goals. <laughs> that's I want, I want my team to score goals, uh, to be adventurous. You know, um, in terms of what I'm like as a manager, um, I would say that I'm a manager that believes in. In talking to my players, I believe that the players should have a role in in uh, the game plan, how we're going to play. I like to ask them questions in training sessions. I I, I love a debate. Um, I'm 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 not stressed about players challenging me because I feel like if a player challenges me over a situation, it's up to me to have the knowledge to be able to put my point across. And sometimes. Uh, more than sometimes, a lot of the time, the player says something, they're inside of the game and you think to yourself, do you know what? That's a great idea. Yeah, we'll do that. And I think it empowers the players. They feel part of the project then if you if you, uh, if you you include them in decision-making as well. Um, and that's kind of who I am. I have an open-door policy and I, th I believe in honesty, how sometimes that is really difficult to do. But I think if you're honest with the players, they respect you for that. Very, very well said. I must say, very well said. Thank you. Superb, superb. That and um, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, um, I was just looking at the results. I don't think many, um, many under two point five goal specialists would have been enjoying betting on your matches at Moss. No, no, mate. You never know what's going to happen when we play. 
got plenty of goals in there. Plenty of excitement and entertainment, and there's a lot of people in football who do like that. So very interesting to hear that mm. way. Pleasure. Well, you're a well-travelled uh, man, Sean, and um, one of your previous clubs, Ossessons, we're going to talk about them in a little bit of uh, detail very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. we are going to switch to to Alsvenskan talk now um, because this is a hell of a title battle that uh, evolves from week to week. Some uh, some really crucial results um, are going through. I'm just going to actually go through the uh, the weekend results because there were some big ones. Um, Dagger 4, nil IFK. Gothenburg won, uh, Halmstad won, AIK nil. Bit of a surprise down there. Mialbi, a 2 0 win against <clears> Hammerby. <throat> Norsha being three, Elsborg two. Late drama in that game. Oof, Red yeah. cards as well. Uh, Elsborg, bad result for them. Jurgarten get a 1 0 win at Urubro. Hacken won, Kalmar four. What has happened to Hacken this season? Serious two, Malmo three. I actually watched this game. Late drama there in Varberg, three, Ostersunds nil. A result which does officially relegate Ostersunds. Um There was a big result from the midweek round as well. It was Malmo 1, uh, AIK 0 and IFK uh, beat Jorgarten 3-0. The way the table is now, Malmo on 51 points, Jorgarten 50, Elspok 48 and AIK 47. It feels like a pivotal sort of weekend, Jonathan, when two of the pretenders win and two of them lose. Yeah, and you know, we've also we've also had a midweek round last week. Um so I don't know if you wanted to touch on that as well, but obviously, you know, the big, the big, um, we previewed that last on the last show and the, the big result mm. uh, really from that in terms of the title race was Malmo beating AIK 1-0. Um, that was a huge game in, in the perspective of the title race. Um, you know, just, I'll just read through some of the other results. I think from that, from that midweek round as well, uh, might be of interest. Um, just some major, major results. Uh, um, EF Core beating Jurgarden 3-0 was a hu- huge game as well. Um, and then obviously Degger fours, uh, one Elsborg two. So just from the point of view of the title race, those were some 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 big results as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when you look at the the weekend just gone, I mean, you know, I think it was the way to describe this week in Osvenskin was it, it's Cholak time. Uh, <laughs> you know what what time was it? It's Cholak time or something like that because uh, it was the Chol Anton, Antonio uh, Cholak show. We did actually talk about him last week, didn't we, Stephen? I said he's been off the boil a little bit, and him and Berman Savic had had maybe just slightly dipped. Uh, since my Y Scout blog about them, um, but they they bounced back in style this um, this past two game weeks. Um, Malmo obviously, when they beat uh, AIK, uh, you know the, the the winner was from a goal from from Berman Savic. Uh, he managed to flick on a kind of uh, a set piece, and um, you know it was actually probably a cross to be honest, but it just it just bounced in, in the underliner went in, and that was enough. AIK couldn't get an equalizer, and then this serious game. I mean. Uh, Brilliant story in this one in terms of the the the, the goals. Joe Ingeberg gets scored a penalty. I know you've never been a massive fan of him, Steve, but he's he's been in quite a good form recently. Uh, then Netabai and Sili Sufai put a serious two one up after half time. You thought to yourself, "What's going on here?" Then you know this this is a turn up for the books in the title race. Malmo, they're gonna are they gonna blow it? But um, it was it was time, as I just said, Ch- Cholak time. He he actually came off the bench. He was benched for this game. Uh, came off the bench. 76th minute and 90th minute winner um and you know this is what the beauty of football is all about to be honest when he scored he scored his winner and he ran into the crowd uh went absolutely crazy the scenes in the away end when he scored were incredible um there's one fan in the ground who i'm just i, I, I kind of want to get him on the show or something because he you know like that just face of like pure ecstasy when you score a last minute winner and uh you know, Cholak ran into the crowd and the guy was like just 
in ecstasy and they just hugged each other uh all the fans crowding around him it was like one of those moments where you know the, the players run into the crowd and that kind of thing you take your yellow card or whatever Cholo actually got booked and uh I think there's a potential he might even miss a game because of that. So, he's, you know, it was uh, anyway, there was a bit of a talk after it saying, you know, it's, it's a bit of a joke, really, that he, you know, players get booked for that kind of pure emotion. Um, but it was a really wonderful moment for Malmo fans. And, and it's put them they're now in they're now in, the you know, in the front front seat, really, for this title race. I think I'm not going to say that they're definitely going to win it, but I mean, I have been predicting they'll win it. Uh, Anders Torsenson also came on the show, Malby manager, and said he thinks they'll win it. And I think this was probably... You know, we've got four games to go. We've had one more round than Norway, but this was probably the moment of the week where I think Malmo may just pull away with it. But as I've said to you before, their next game is EF Core away, and that is going to be EF Core got Yotaburg away, and that is a grudge match. So um, that is going to be a huge game, I think, in this title race. But uh, certainly Malmo have reacted the only way they know, and that is getting wins when it counts. Yeah, Sean, um, you know... This has been a very interesting title battle over in Sweden there. Um, I don't know how close you've been following it. It's been a different sort of title battle to compare to Norway with four teams involved. Yeah. Um, do you just think that the extra sort of experience and, and, and quality in class of Malmo ultimately will get the job done? Yeah, I, I do. I've, you know, I think I, I thought there was a period a few weeks back, I thought Jurgaden and Jurgaden were going to kick on. But they didn't, and they've 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 had a little hiccup. And personally, I think they've I've, in, in the situation where you know uh, Malmo were playing in, the, obviously they're in the Champions League and stuff like that. It was an advantage for them to take, and I, I think they've thrown around about you know five six points personally. So I was a bit surprised that they didn't kick on. And now Malmo, like you say, I think they just make a little bit of their intent. But they've still got they've they've still got quite a few games in the Champions League to play. So it's not easy for them, not easy at all. The Champions League um, is, is definitely a problem. We think, you know, Jonathan's mentioned before how it, it may well have sort of uh, impacted their season. They've now got a match against Chelsea mm. uh, upcoming, which, mm. I mean, as bad as they have, they've been in the group, they cannot ignore this match, can they, in terms of nope. the occasion it is for, for, the, for the supporters. So, are they going to kind of knacker themselves out a bit, do you think, before the IFK game yeah um, I actually when is that game is it on the Sunday um, it looks like it's on the Sunday it's half past yeah. five yeah. kick off time in Sweden so in terms of if terms of in, in terms of periodisation um, for them it's better that they're in the Champions League rather than being in the Europa League or the Conference League because that's on a Thursday so when you're playing Thursday and you've got Friday, Saturday and then you're playing on the Sunday that, that's, that's a massive impact Impact. If they play on the, um, they play Tuesday, don't they, against Chelsea's tomorrow? Yes. So uh, then that means they've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's four days of recovery. Then it's not a problem for them because then, depending on how they work, if they come in the next day or if they have the day off afterwards or do they have the day off uh, the day after the game, there's different ways that you can do it. Um, but they still get plenty of time to recover. And with a, a club with the resources of Malmo, I actually don't think it'll affect them as much. I think they're lucky that they're also they're in the Champions League rather than being in the Europa League. Like I said, you know, because the Thursday, the Thursday game, that's that's much harder to deal with. Jonathan, I'm actually going to ask you a question about a club that we probably haven't talked about as much as we should do recently, and that is AIK. Um, they're now in fourth place. They've lost three of the last four. Have you been disappointed with the with the the title? 
effort that they they've put in. I think you did refer say to you about sort of mid season. You were like, I don't think they've got the the sort of the the goals in them to maybe challenge. And you, you, I think so far you've been proven right. But have you been disappointed recently in these really big games at a crucial time of the season? Like they lose to Halmstad tonight. That's not good enough, is it? If you want to win the gold medal. Yeah, this was probably the week where I think <clears throat> the shortcomings of Eurogarden and AIK really came to the fore. I think if you if you look at it, you know, Eurogarden have had some poor results in my opinion and and uh, just got a narrow win at Odebro, in fact. So I think that was probably a good game for them to have because they've been really struggling, lost three of their last four games, got battered by Yevko, Jotterburg, uh, which was a big result really for them, by the way. Um, <clears throat> the fans are really getting on side at Yevko now. Things are turning around there. But yeah, they managed to just beat uh, Odebro 1-0 away. Emmanuel Banda scored a goal. Uh, and in terms of ARK, yeah, it's, it's been um, it's not been a great run for them. I never really thought they were... They had some some results where, you know, for example, winning Stockholm derbies and that where they, they kind of got into this title race. But if you really look at it on balance, you know, this wasn't a season that I, I don't think anyone really expected AIK to win the league. I think it would have been a bit of a stretch. They've lost seven out of their 26 games, which is quite a lot, to be honest. Um, they've got a fantastic, you know, best defensive record in the league. But but it's always the problem with uh, AIK. They just don't score enough goals. I think Stefanelli, Goitem, they're decent players, but I, I just think they lack that kind of Cholak or... You know, they're just not quite, they just don't quite have, have the goals. I caught this game um, against Halmstad, I caught a bulk of it. And if you actually look at it in the, in the league table, um, you know, according to Scout data, you know, AIK are seventh in the league for expected goals and Halmstad are, are eighth in the league. So, you know, the two teams who are kind of pretty much level in terms of how much you expect them to score. So, you know, AIK are way off it compared to the to the big boys. You know, they're, they're XG 36.59. Mamo, the top 54.12. So you can see there's a huge difference in terms of goals, getting goals. Um, yeah, I caught this game with Halmstad. Halmstad, I've got to say, they're, they're, a really, they're a really good unit. They're a strong unit, to be honest. They're not an easy team to play against. They, they are the, I think they're the Burnley of this league or the, or the you know, they've just got this set style. I mean, they, they, they just peppered AIK with set pieces towards the end of the first half and uh, they couldn't get out of their own box, AIK. It was like bobbling around everywhere, clearing it. It would be another set piece, then it would be a corner bobble around and they just couldn't get rid of it and eventually um one of the sort of second phase balls fell to um the man Johansson and he, and he scored a tap in maybe shades of offside VAR I think if it was in Sweden we would have looked at it um he just broke the line and just had a tap in basically it was a re keeper saved it and it rebounded to him um he went crazy and the fans went crazy this is a big win for Halmstad don't forget you know ARK are a big club um and for Halmstad don't forget in, in, they're in the relegation battle they need points so that that win has actually taken them out of the uh, out of the relegation zone now as well, uh, dropping in Degafors, who we'll, we'll talk about in a bit. But um, so you know they needed this win, let alone uh, get it. You know so um. But once they had the lead, it kind of they defended quite robustly. Never really felt like okay, we're going to kind of turn it around. Maybe you thought they might get one, but never really felt they'd, they'd turn it around. Had a couple of penalty shouts, but really soft penalty calls and things like that. So. Um, I don't think if you look at this stage of AIK's evolution, you'd expect them to be winning the title. But having got into it, you know, they're still only four points behind. So don't forget that. I mean, they're not out of it, but I, I just think they they probably are going to just fall fall a little bit short, to be honest, after these back-to-back -back defeats. Sean, how important is it that teams like Jorgan and AIK, and maybe you could even say Hammerby, North Shipping, or even IFK, how important is it that they keep Malmo honest in, in, in terms of Swedish football? Because is there a danger that Malmo could really dominate in a way sort of Rosenborg did? If we're not careful 100 um 
uh, you know, I remember listening to one of your earlier podcasts when you talk about, you know, getting getting through to the Champions League group stages is phenomenal money in in terms of Scandinavian football. And you can see that's why, you know, um, Copenhagen have been so strong over the years because they've, they've been in those positions themselves. Malmo have always had probably more money than most clubs in Sweden and now they've got treble more money than anybody else in Sweden. So... Of course, now they can go out at the end of this season. They could quite easily win the title and um, and go out and recruit, you know, even more crazy if uh, if they so if they so wish. I mean, they've got already got a strong squad, so absolutely you need the other clubs to try and find a way to to be competitive. Um, but I'll I'll always go back to the same the same principles. I don't care what level of football you play at and where you are. It will always come down to how you deal with your recruitment. And uh, I think it's quite clear to say a lot of teams in all over the world are really, really poor at recruitment, which you, when you think about it, you're going to spend a certain amount of money on players. It's kind of crazy, isn't it, when you think about that? Um, so um, I think, yeah, all the other clubs, they have, to, they have to then be a little bit more clever in the transfer market to sort of find a few gems that are hidden away. A little bit like Brentford in a way, if you want. Yeah. I mean, um, just before we move on to uh, down matters at the bottom, um, I have to say, I was disappointed to see Elfsborg lose. They're, they're the team I mm. want to see win the league, just because it's a bit more of a Cinderella story in a way. I know they were yeah. second last year, but they 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 rebounded well, four wins in a row, and they looked like they were going to beat Norshipping, but they, they conceded two very, very late goals, and they, they moved out a third. I'm gutted, Jonathan, I really am. Um, that, that, that we've kind of it looks like their race is run for Elfsborg. What went wrong against Norshipping? Was it did ill discipline ultimately cost them? No, I don't think their race is run at all. I mean, it's only three points behind uh Malmo. I think that's a pessimistic take. You got I'm, a pessimi- I'm a pessimistic, yeah. You're becoming a bit, you're becoming quite um, <laughs> you know, you're becoming quite, quite downbeat in your old age, aren't you? you know, I think you were. Uh, you didn't expect Glimp to do anything against Roma, you know. Now you think they're out, Elfsborg are out of it, I, they're definitely not out of it. Someone on Twitter did point out, though, you're right, that, you know, the three points is probably four points because Malmo have got plus 25 goal difference compared to Elfsborg's plus 16. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that, that's effectively an extra point, really. Yeah. But, uh, no, I don't think they're out of it. Elfsborg, yeah, it was, a, it was a, an interesting game. I, I managed to catch this one. Um, in the week, they beat beat uh, Degafors, as I mentioned, away 2-1. Uh, Leo Weizen and Jeppe Ockels and then Edvardsen goal. But uh, the North Shopping game, was it was crazy, to be honest. Uh, they took the lead. They went 2-1 up and then it was just cra- crazy hours. Um, Simon Strand, he probably heard that he'd been picked in my fantasy team as I t- try and take Steve on in, in the Nordic football title race. Uh, and he got That's a battle. Sent off. That is a battle. That is a, a side battle, which is you know a tussle at the top for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, he Simon Strand got himself sent off after two yellow cards. C- crazy behaviour. And actually what happened here, when he walked off the pitch, there's a bit of controversy because... He walked off the pitch and he um, he actually knocked the camera out of uh, the camera camera uh, person's hand whilst they were filming, uh, which is really you know just to be, he's he's been really slammed for it in in Sweden. It's really really poor behaviour to be honest. It's really um, unprofessional. Uh, no need for it at all. He just knocked the camera out of the person's hand when he was walking off. A bit sly as well. He just kind of pretended he was walking and just shoved the camera off. And you know could do some serious damage to some expensive equipment. So he, he's got a lot of criticism for that. It may even be looked at. You know may face a longer ban. I don't know, but um, Obviously, he's going to miss a game. Strand's got a bit of a reputation in Sweden for being a bit, you know, a bit nasty at times like that. So 
Um, you know, that's going to knock their defence maybe in terms of the organisation. Uh, it's going to knock my fantasy team because I'm going to have to find an alternative. But, uh, yeah, the only thing I'd say about I mean, they were holding on um, Elsborg in this game, but if you want to have 10 men away from home against any team in the league, I don't think North Shopping is the one. Uh, Lenis Valkvist in the 78th minute and then a, a brilliant goal from Alec Benro was like one of those... Uh, you know, like Aguero, it was like Alec Benro kind of thing. Um, in the in the last minute, he, he had a chance, and he's the top scorer in the league for a reason. And what, one thing I like about some some strikers, Sean, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. When 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 a striker gets a chance in that sort of last ten minutes in the penalty area, you know, so, there's so many games I watch at this level where, like, for example, Degafors, uh, of course, a good example is tonight. Yeah, he of course should have finished Degafors off, but so many breaks and things where they can't just put a get put together the run that you need to to get that ball in the net. Whereas in, on this occasion, I think Benro, you know, the ball came to him in the box and it was just no no hesitation, bang, mm-hmm. absolutely walloped it home. You know, a sort of pressure situation. If you miss that, it's two two. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't make any mistake and uh, a big defeat for for um, Elspeth. They also also went down to nine men. Because uh, Holst also gets sent off, so that's a, a big yeah, blow right. for Elfsborg. But if yeah. you look at it, when you say are they out of it, I don't think they are because last four games, Varberg boys at home, Halmstad away, AIK at home, Oedebro away, and they Oof. will be tough games because Halmstad are you know a solid side, Varberg mm. good on the counter attack, AIK obviously are AIK, and Oedebro is you'd probably be relegated by them. But I don't think they're out of it because this Elfsborg side have shown a bit of resilience in recent weeks. So um, I think they're still yeah. in it. They play good football as well, you know. They, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they, they work really hard. I, I like, I like what they've done down there. They've been having a steady progression for a, a good few years now. And one of the coaches when I was working up, uh, the goalkeeping coach, um, he, he, he left Osterson and went to Elfsborg, you know. And yeah, yeah, they're doing a great job down there. About you talked about recruitment as well, uh, Sean. And, and yeah. one thing I would say about Elfsborg, yeah. this past two years, you, you know, you talk about turning a team round from. Yeah kind of a nothing team to title contenders. One thing they've done is they've got their recruitment right this past two years, two, three years. And they've really nailed their recruitment. The likes of Jarjue, uh, obviously Okuma, who, who's left now, he was a brilliant mm. signing. Uh, Larson, you know, they, they've got a lot of their recruitment right this last two two years. They, they, they recruit to a good model. Yeah. Uh, they've really turned things around. Mm. No, no, no. It's, the, it's, it's the, basically the, the, the point of success is how you do that recruitment. Even if you go back to Osterson, regardless of how you feel about how the, you know, the, the, it's played, bringing in those certain players, you know, we all know about the history of the, the players that went on and did really well for, for Osterson. And if you can get that right, you don't have to have loads and loads of money, but your recruitment needs to be spot on. You know that better than anybody, Jonathan. <laughs> well, exactly. We, we move on now to matters at the bottom of the table and um, yeah. the first official relegation has been confirmed from Alsvenskan. Ostersunds are gone. Um, mm. They lost 3-0 to Varberg. Um, it seems such a, well, a poor way to go, really, doesn't it? To lose to that sort of match. One of your one of your old clubs, Sean. And, and, yeah. and Jonathan, Jonathan, this... Look, at the start of the season, you were more optimistic than most about them. You did say that, you know, it could easily end in this way. Um, have even you been disappointed, Jonathan, about how how poor they've been in terms of the points? No, I, th- I think they've they've given it they've given it everything they can. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's been been a it's been a it's been a rough season for them. Uh, obviously, we've had Rafa Roldan on, and he 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 was part of the club, and then he kind of you know left, and and um, you know they've they've had a manager leave. Uh, you know, they've got a new chairman. They've had all, all kinds of things go on, but I, th- I think it is worth actually. Having a bit of a discussion about them because this this is the this is the end of the era, you know this is the end of it. Since we started this podcast, obviously Ostersons was was the big story, 
um graham potter was there at the time uh and and really this is this is the end of like i say this is the end of an era really um and i think it's worth worth just briefly talking about that you know graham potter took over this club in 2011 he was there for seven years he's now doing wonders for brighton and i thought it was a very kind of um poetic uh day uh i think the same day that uh Graham Potter was at Anfield getting a, a, a two-all draw against Liverpool, you know, the mighty Liverpool kind of, champ, you know, potential champions of England this season. You know, that, that great team has just battered Manchester United 5-0. Graham Potter's getting a draw there, having been 2-0 down against against Liverpool at, at Anfield, which is not easy with Brighton. Uh, on the same day, his Osterson's team that he built has, has been relegated. Um, finally, after all this time, and, you know, if you look at it, this they've been in the Osvenskan since 2016, you know, Graham Potter joined when they were in the fourth division. You know, they were in Division Two Norland when he 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 joined the club. Um, moved to third tier Division One Nora, got them promoted from there. Then they had three years in Superettan and Tier Two, and obviously got them promoted in 2015. Kept them in Osvenskan, got them to sort of fifth, sixth as well. Um, and then he left, and obviously won the Swedish Cup. You know, and and then <clears throat> you know there's there's two sides to this Osterson story really, because. You know, when we announced on Twitter that they on that Twitter at Nordic Football that they've been relegated, um, all you had had from Swedish fans was like goodbye, good, good riddance. Um, you know, and and you can't talk about their story without the side of it that is probably a bit darker, really. And we had a lot of questions actually on on uh, Twitter from fans saying, well, what, what's why does why are all these fans tweeting saying good riddance and you know what's so bad about Ostersunds? You know, I think we have to sort of touch on that as well. And and, and the reason that they're kind of so hated by, by fans in, in Sweden is because obviously what's come out since um, since Graham Potter's left, really, with the, the, the story about uh, Daniel Schimberg, their former chairman, um, he's obviously been sentenced to, to prison um, for kind of, you know, uh, financial crimes, it was reported, uh, you know, in, in April 2018. Um, the Swedish Environmental Crime Agency raided his, uh, his housing company, Ostersunds Hem, uh, where Daniel Schimberg was the CEO. Uh, his laptops were seized and he was arrested on suspicion of financial crimes. Um, he was then sentenced, but he's currently sort of going through an appeal system. He was sentenced to three years in prison and, and a five-year ban from business for serious financial crimes. Um, he's appealing it. He says it's, you know, but he's been talking about how difficult his life's been. He's not been able to get a job since. And you know, we'll talk to Sean in a minute. You've got inside information on all these people. You've worked with them, but um, just giving the overview in, in the sense that, you know, what that what that's basically done is it's created a feeling in Sweden that kind of Ostersunds have been a little bit shady in terms of how they moved up through the leagues, which I think that there's kind of two sides to it, isn't it? Because you, you can say yes, there is that, but at the same time, you, you can also look at the kind of how they built it organically in terms of Graham Potter and and you know the the real human side of it that he built the psychological side that he he got right you know he's got a masters in i think um sports psychology and that kind of thing and he's very you know a very good manager you know i you know diverting a little bit here but i think if manchester united need a new manager i, I i'm i'm looking my eyes at him to be honest um but yeah you know so th- th- there is kind of two sides to it but i think it is really sad in a way that this fairy tale kind of has turned a bit sour and you know, it's kind of ended with a lot of fans in Sweden basically saying, you know, good good riddance and, and we're glad to see you go. You know, this season was always going to be hard. They, they had transfer bans. Um, a lot of fans as well in Sweden were not happy because basically <clears throat> they, the municipality of Sweden, the, the, the financial teams, they gave them a, <clears throat> a reprieve um, about, about their financial situation because they got, a, I think, a loan. And then <clears throat> the loan and the source of the loan has been kind of questioned that, that, that you know, there's there's financial rules to basically stay in the league every season that you have to pass. 
and Osterson's managed to pass it because I think they had an injection of cash from a from a source, and that source has now been sort of questioned by fans within Sweden. So there's this sort of feeling that you know, did they bypass that as well? Should they have actually been relegated before they have? They were given a two window transfer ban. They've, they've still got a transfer ban um, till 2022. So they <clears throat> this that's why the season was so difficult for them. They couldn't sign any players. It was always going to be very tough for them, but. Um, yeah, they, they're now gone and, and they will be uh, in Super Retro next season. It's the end of the era for Ostersons. Sean, they were one of your former clubs that you worked at. Um, yeah. Was there a twinge of sadness here, just seeing them go, even though it was kind of not inevitable, but it looked like it, it was going to be bleak? And sort of when you were at the club there, what's the general feeling, you know, with the public? You know, they're not the most popular club in, in Sweden, are they? Probably AFC Eskilstuna kind of rival yeah. them in that yeah. sort of way. Um, did you see this sort of happening? Did, could you sort of see this coming in the future? Uh, I, You know, at the time when I left, no, um, because I thought, felt they were still in a really good position and, and they, they kind of were. And I feel like Ian was there. He was, you know, I, I know Ian really well. He's a very diligent manager. Very, He knows what he's doing. Um, the whole episode of him leaving was was not correctly done in my in my 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 head um and i think you know they brought in a coach who 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 lacks experience at that level he i think he got uh, the way he wanted to play was totally uh, not the not the way that Osterson's identity was he was a little bit more direct i think he, he he did really well in the in the in the period when he came in but I think to sustain that in the front, in the next season, which is this season now, was always going to be difficult. Even though they couldn't bring players in, if you look at their squad, they still got strong players there. Not then they, they've actually not bad at all. Personal view is how they were run, and and the support system was taken. A lot of stuff was taken away from the players. There's some rumours about you know. A 27-hour 20, round trip of playing a team away from home. Gothenburg, I think it was, they had to get a train and a bus and then a bus and a train back. There's a lot of this stuff surrounding surrounding the team. And, you know, it, it, it's very, very difficult for players then to be to try and be focused on, on, on winning games, basically. Um, I think they made the managerial change way too late. I think if they got somebody in earlier, um, I think they could probably could have turned it around. Because again, I would say their squad is not the worst squad in uh, in Arsvenskan. Absolutely not. So, for me, it's definitely sad because I know a lot of the people in and around the club, and I know how difficult um, it is. I think the fans are fully behind the players, but not behind the running of the club. Jonathan, what is the legacy of Ostersunds? Do you think? I mean, we've had some great memories of them, really. I mean, I remember them going to to the Emirates and, uh, and beating Arsenal. I mean, you were there that night, weren't you? Uh, actually, in attendance. What's the? How are they going to be remembered? Do you think for this kind of great rise, but potentially now, you know, a great fall? Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's one of those ones where you could, you could probably write a book on it. It's it's like a it's like a it's, it is a it is a you know. If you look at the nature of football these days, there's sort of Netflix as kind of the Netflixization of football. Really, there's you know documentaries about these great teams and things like that. I think you can make quite a good documentary about Ostersons. Um, their incredible rise. They've launched probably one of the, in my opinion, I mean, Sean, you'll know more about him than me, but mm. in my opinion, potentially one of the great managers in 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 in, in football in the last maybe ten years. 
Uh, if you look at what Graham Potter's done, he, he's completely revolutionised Swedish football. Sean, mm. you, know, you mentioned this off air as well, and, and I, I, I agree with it totally. Um, he, he's completely changed Swedish football, in my opinion. Um, he's gone on to Swansea and he's gone on to Brighton, and, and I personally think he's doing incredible work at Brighton. If you look at what's actually happening there, they're Maybe a club that get things right off the field, <clears throat> Brighton, but mm. he's bringing it all together now on the pitch, and I think that mm. they'll continue to rise. I don't think it's a fluke where they are. No. Um, <clears throat> but... When you look at the Ostersons' legacy, yeah, it will always be tainted, to be honest, because in Sweden, they are, they are hated. The fans don't like them. I think on the one side, I think I can see why, and I, and I, I do get it. I think on the other side of it, I do think to a certain extent, it's a, it is really sad because if you look at it, you know, I remember when we covered Ostersons, Steve, you know, I remember that like they held like, uh, Graham Potter held like plays and things like that in the, for the local community. And they had to do, the players had to sort of put on performances at Christmas and things like that and learn learn plays and they did a lot of community work and charity work um, oh, they, they did they did loads i mean when i was there we had to do a musical exactly. me and me, me me and ian were on on stage doing uh sex pistols we was we were in a band singing the singing the sex pistols all dressed up like punks i mean exactly. he's the head so, the head coach and the assistant coach <laughs> exactly so they, they, they've completely revolutionized you know they, they brought a lot of joy to the town i think in the yeah, area 100%. which i don't think you can overlook just because of, of what's happened since um, in terms of personal memories or, you know, our own memories or memories from the fans, of course, winning the Swedish Cup will always be a huge memory for them. Mm. Um, that will never be forgotten for their fans. And then obviously going to going to Arsenal and being Arsenal. I mean, you know, there's, there's been a lot of conversations around football at the moment. And, and you know, what, what can you expect from a club and what, what, what should clubs be achieving? I mean, that, that's something that will never be forgotten. You know, going mm. to Arsenal and winning. I, I was at the game, as you mentioned, we covered it live. Um, don't forget they, they, they beat Galatasaray. Yeah. You know, they went through an incredible run in that Europa League to, to get to where they Atletico did. Bilbao. They beat you know, uh, Bilbao. They had, yeah. had an, um, you know, the, the, um, the, the rumor has it that they were, I think they were 1 0 or 2 0 down at half time away in Osterson. And the captain walked off and he said in Spanish, he says, It's uh, if, if I can swear, it's okay. He said, It's fucking Barcelona in the woods. That's what he said, directly translated. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know. Like I say, you know, I've got I've got a screenshot of them of the of the uh, the, the the scoreboard at the Emirates when they beat uh, Ostersons uh, when they beat Arsenal. Sorry, you know, Hossam Aish and uh, Ken Semmer, who's obviously now yeah. Watford. Yeah, uh, Mass, sure. you know, that was when Arsenal, the Arsenal Wenger days. So to go and beat Arsenal yeah. Wenger's Arsenal will, will never be forgotten. Only two um, teams won at the Emirates that year, and that was Man United and Osterson. <laughs> and don't forget, you know, they've um, they've brought a, they've kind of they've brought a new style to, to Swedish football. I think which has yes. kind of been emulated by other teams. Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, there will be fans within Sweden who will always say it was, you know, maybe it was slightly murky how they achieved their success. And, Sorry um, to interrupt. I think there's a lot of it as well is that they brought so many foreign players in, you know, that they 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 pushed it more than probably most other clubs have, have ever done in Swedish football. Because at the end of the day, Daniel Schinberg's mentality was to try and beat the numbers game. Can, can Osterson ever compete with Malmo and, uh, and, and AIK financially? No. So they tried to do something a little bit different, you know, and the whole culture thing and finding players from lower leagues and bringing them up. You know, there was a sh you talk about recruitment. The job that Bjorn did there was outstanding. It was absolutely outstanding. And the coaching they did was outstanding as well. So it was a good recipe in that respect. They, uh, they beat Galatasaray. That'll do me. That'll yeah. uh, make it. That'll... <laughs> Well, yeah. I'm not allowed to actually. I'm I'm, I'm treading on her hot water there, aren't I, Jonathan? Actually, so, but well, they you know, you know, the home fans in Galatasaray, they applauded them. Did they? Yeah, they they some of them burnt their season tickets and threw it at the managers and, and the players when they walked off. 
But when uh, Osterson went to walk off after he went to their fans, they uh, they stayed and applauded them. So wow. that's, that's fair play, fair play. Obviously, that's mm. how good a team they were under Graham Potter. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure it was it was a similar story at the, the Emirates. So, well, yeah, we, and the, the, I mean, ultimately, the, the 27 in terms of history, the 2017 Swedish Cup will will always be forgotten. Uh, will always be remembered. Mm-hmm. Sorry, as, as well. You know, beating. Beating North Shopping in the final four-one absolutely battered them. That was yeah, uh, I was did. in Sweden at that time, and that was, you know, that was the combination really. Saman Godos, you know, Hossam yeah. players like that who 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 breezed them through that that Swedish Cup. So um, yeah, a, a sort of you could say a, a tainted legacy, but one that's fascinating. Mm. And I, I'm very sure that in, in years to come that it will be made in some sort of documentary, and it would be very interesting to watch. Yeah, I hope so. Just a couple of things to tie off before we finish the episode. Um, we must give our congratulations to. Varnamo, um, who have been promoted from yeah. Super Etten. I must say, I've um, never heard of this club really before. Um, obviously, Jonathan's going to have to do his homework on them now. So, congratulations to them. They've won Super Etten. It looks close for second and third. Sundsvall, Helsingborg, Norby, and Kjellerborg. Uh, and even Boyce, Langskrona Boyce, has still got a shout for, for second and third. Um, in now Svenskan at the moment, Degafors. Orobro looked down, pretty much down. Uh, Degafors are now in that 14th spot. Jonathan, you watched them against IFK, um, I do believe. Do you think they... Um, I think it's close at the minute. Is it serious again, Dragon the Jewel? Are Degafors in major trouble now, Jonathan? Based on the evidence I saw this evening, yeah, I think I think they're in trouble. I think they they got a... If, if, you were, if you were to ask me who I put my hat on in terms of Mialbi, Halmstad and Degafors to get a result, I, w- I would say the former two, Halmstad and, and Mialbi. You can always you can always back Halmstad to get a draw somewhere. Um, Mialbi, they're looking really good under Anders Torstensen. If you haven't listened to that episode, you know, mm. beating Hammerby tonight, 2-0, incredible result, really. Uh, Hammerby <coughs> continue to be a team that flatters to deceive. Uh, but yeah, Hammerby are kind of, uh, sorry, Mialbi have, 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 uh, are kind of, they're not out of it yet, only three points above them, uh, above Degafors in 14th, but they're, they're just climbing out of it quite nicely. What I saw from Degafors this evening worried me, I'll be honest. Um, they've, they've lost back-to-back games now. They've next got Hacken away. Then they've got Hammerby at home, North Shopping at home, Osterson's away. My issue with Degafors is that I think they're, I think they're kind of 3-4-3 three, three system. I think they're kind of losing their way a bit. I thought in transitions, they struggle both in both ways, like transition from attack to defence and defence to attack. Uh, whenever the broke ball break down, they OK attacking them. They didn't really know how to get the pitch quickly. Pitch was a nightmare, so that, that didn't help. Um, they seeded a lot of chances. He, of course, should have actually put this game to bed a lot easier uh, than they did. Um, one thing I've got to mention with EF Core but they, they are turning things around now. They're looking really good, as, as Sean mentioned. Oscar Wilhelmsen, 18-year-old. He was in my tent to watch uh, in preseason. He's got his first goal tonight, 18-year-old. Uh, he's got his first goal in Osvenska. He got the winner. It was a lovely little turn and sh- shot. Um, he's been compared to Erling Brett Harland, actually, by the way. Borussia Dortmund tried to sign him um, about a year or so ago, and he, he turned it down because he said he wants to play for EF Core Jotterburg for a few years before he moves on. But he is um, he's getting in the team now and he, with Marcus Berg and they're, they're looking quite potent up front. But still the wide players are not quite maybe um, productive enough in key moments, but they are starting to look a lot better at EF Core. But yeah, as far as Degafors go, you know, where are they going to get their points from? The Hacking away is going to be a big game because I think they're going to need to get something from that because Hammerby and Norshopping are, are going to be tough games. Um, so... Yeah, I think if if you if you were to ask me, I think Degafors are, are in a little bit of trouble. And, and the other team I just wanted to mention, by the way, is Sirius. You know, they they've got three straight defeats now, and the next game is Mialbi away, so they're they're not out of it, by the way. Um, 
could just be an outsider. And I think in my I think in my preseason previews, I had Sirius quite quite down there. So they've been pretty comfortable all season around the 10th place mark, but they're just getting sucked in now. Uh, they're only two points above the relegation playoff. So, yeah, one to watch there. Sirius could be in uh, in serious trouble. Yeah, um, and by the way, just uh, just um, before we wrap up on, on, on Varnamo, this is an unbelievable story, and uh, we're going to have something special for you guys next week. So uh, subscribe. Make sure you um, you know get your notifications on if you're following us on Twitter at Nordic Football because uh, we've been doing a little bit digging and I might we might have a special guest that we can talk about next week. But um, I won't spoil anything. But yeah, in, t- in terms of Varnamo, this is going to be the first time in their 110 year history, 109 years. So for their 110th year anniversary, they'll be in Osvenskan. Uh, first time ever. Uh, they've won tonight at Eskilstuna. And this is, you know, when, when people are criticising Osterson, th- this is like the complete opposite. They've, they've kind of done it in a way that, you know, there's been a lot of comments on Twitter tonight saying, oh, we're going to have a proper team in Osvenskan now instead of sort of ASC Eskilstuna or, or Ostersunds. Um, they're a team that's come up, you know, they've, they've, they've been in the third tier, come out of nowhere really almost, to be honest, and uh, th- their ground is actually not even Osvenskan ready. Um, it only hosts 4,300 spectators and they average about 1,000 fans. So they, I don't know how they turn this around, but we're going to dig into it and find out and, and bring you on the Nordic Football Podcast. But uh, this is a, a massive, massive story. Real like, wonderful scenes tonight. They've got the second smallest budget in Super Essen, by the way. Um, wow. And yet have got promoted. Uh, only they, they, they only, came... only and who are bottom of the league, have a, a lower budget. So yeah, that tells really... you yeah. tells you all about them. And, but... and one last little interesting tidbit of information on, on Varnamo. Uh, by the way, I took this from Sport Bladet, so I have to give them the credit for it. But they've said that um, Vas- uh, Varnamo's club staff only has three full-time positions. That is as many as Malmo has just on analysts alone. So yeah, the entire club, there's only three full-time roles at Varnamo. Oh, and they're going to be an Osvenskan team next year. So uh, if they need any, if they've got any job vacancies, hit us up. You know, we might get out there. But uh, sure, maybe you should, should, should yeah. put, in a, put in a word. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, have a word that's crazy, but isn't that, it? Like, They've got, they, they, they got less full-time staff than Malmo have analysts. That's so, incredible. They came, they came directly up last year, didn't they? They've gone, they've gone up the two leagues. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they were, they were in, they weren't in the league that I was in last year with Brompo. They was in the other league. They won that league and went up into, into Super Etten and went, and now they've, now they've won that and gone into Arsvenskan. If am I correct there that they've gone straight through? If they've they got such had, a small budget, I would imagine there's a good fine chance of that. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think, they, I think the last team that did that was actually Brompoikina. They, they went up. They came out of the level, the level they've come up now, and went into Super Etten and went straight up into Arsvenskan. Yeah. You're right. I've just looked now. Lance Kroner actually came up from that league as well, and they're yes, doing really that's, well. So that's right. Lance Kroner won the won the playoff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So um, they well, took um, what is it? What is it called? Dalkard. That they Dalkard beat uh, lost against them against Lance Kroner. Dalkard went down into the league, and Lance Kroner came up into Super Eton. But one thing we do know, I mean, you know, you mentioned there in terms of there, there's not much of a difference in the Super Etten. You've only got to look at Falkenberg about to be relegated out. Oh, unbelievable. Right and they were in Osvenskan uh, just over a year ago. So, yep. you know, okay. there's a, the Super Etten is a crazy league. And, and by the way, one final comment on that in, in terms of Super Etten, which I think next week we'll talk about the second divisions uh, in both leagues because Hamcam should be promoted by then as well. Mm. But um, one other bit of information in, in that league, but Falkenberg looked like they could be going down to third tier. And one mm. other club that looks like they could be going down is Geis. Now they're a massive club in in Sweden, and uh, you know they've had a battering tonight. Yeah, let's talk so, about uh, let's talk. You want to talk about recruitment and getting everything wrong? Then that's a club who who need to sort themselves out in that respect. 
Yeah, not a good time for guys. Huge club in Gothenburg, and yeah, really big. They're, they're in big trouble now. They're in the relegation playoffs with time running out. Mm. Mm. Well, I think that about brings this episode to an end. Sean, um, you've uh, you've you've got incredible stamina to last it with us. <laughs> no stress, no problem. I don't have to get up in the morning, so it's okay. <laughs> we we very much appreciate your time, and um, also I mean, from from my own self personally, I wish you all the best of luck in. Uh, for the future, really, I think there's um, there's a lot more to come from Sean Constable. I hope so, absolutely. Yeah. But hey, it's a pleasure being on, guys, as always. So, absolutely great. Really enjoyed the chat. Do you have a preference on your next role? Is it kind of a, a look in Sweden, Norway, or maybe even England, or is it just kind of see what what happens? If you know what I mean, because um, you, you straddled both both countries. Yeah, I mean, I you know put my CV in at Scunthorpe United now, but um, I think after I heard that fifty coaches applied for that job, it could be a little of a long long shot. So, uh, I, I you know I, I have to just wait and see what what comes up. There's been a few inquiries, but nothing like anything huge at the moment. So, um, yeah, just just be patient and uh, enjoy myself when I come over to England for a little bit, and, and fingers crossed I can pick up something. Be honest with you, I've had two years. As a head coach, I would really like to uh, get the opportunity again. Um, I feel like uh, the last two years I've learned so much. I think, what do they say, third time lucky? So, <laughs> fingers crossed. We, I'm sure we're going to see you back uh, on a football pitch very soon. I think it's in your blood, a bit like us probably. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, wish you luck. And, you know, you might be the first play, uh, first person to ever be on the Nordic Football Podcast five times if you, if you get uh, <laughs> if, you, if you get a new job. So, we will keep an eye on your progress very much. Fantastic. With yeah. But I think that wraps it up for this week's show. It's been a longer episode, but hopefully a lot of insight from uh, someone who's been in the game for many years and has a lot of insight to offer. So we'll be back next week. As I say, we're probably going to look at uh, the second division in, in some detail, hopefully bring you a special guest as well. So, um, yeah, you can hit us up on patreon.com slash Podcast if you want to contribute uh, to the show and, and to the running of it. And also hit us on Twitter at NordicFootPod. You can find my colleague Steve Wiss at MeatmanSoccer on Twitter. You can find our guest today, Sean Constable, at Sean Constable as well on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter at JFFutbol. So hit us up uh, and leave a review on the iTunes or whatever. Uh, leave a review. Uh, that would be nice. Or give us five stars. Um, but that's it for this week's show. We're out of here. Um, not long left in this, this season. So we're, we're going to be covering it, covering it as we, you know, the run in. There's going to be a lot of big games coming up in the next three, four weeks. But uh, keep it tuned on the Nordic Football Podcast. Thank you so much, Sean. Uh, and thank you, Steve. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Goodbye. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Dinger Sean. Adios.